Welcome to Impact Church's podcast with Pastor Travis Hearn. Pastor Travis also serves as the team pastor for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and has served Major League Baseball as the team chaplain for over a decade. Today, he leads us with a powerful and hope-filled message. We're so glad you're tuning in, and we believe that wherever you're listening from, that God will impact your life through today's message. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life. I want to read to you a famous passage that I have a love-hate relationship with. And I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but a lot of God's word is for me like this, if I'm being honest, it's like a love-hate relationship with a certain passage. And, and I want to tell you why, but I want to read it to you first. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10, these are the words of the Apostle Paul. He says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming, what's he say? Okay, I'm going to need your help 11 a.m. I already did this one time, and I'm tired, so I need you to help me. And, and it's, I tell you every week, it's a contest. Right at the moment, you're getting blown out by the 9 a.m. service. So here we go. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming what? Conceited. Paul says, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me. Three times, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my what? My weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, say it with me. Then I am strong. Then I am strong. See, I have a love-hate with this passage because I love Paul's perspective about the thorn in his own flesh. The hate part is that this passage isn't just about Paul. It's about you and it's about me. And we also have these thorns in our flesh. We have these things in our life that don't feel good. Thorns, they're uncomfortable. The thorn is something in your life that causes pain. It causes discomfort. It has dug itself deep into an area of your life and it doesn't seem to go away. You can't seem to get rid of it. It it, it kind of torments you. It, It could be your body. It could be your mind. It could be your emotions, your relationship, right? It's mental. It's emotional, it's physical, relational. So he's talking about this thorn. This thorn today, for you, it could be something about your situation. This thorn could be depression. This thorn could be fear or anxiety. It could be betrayal or rejection. This thorn could be addiction. It could be a physical ailment or disability. It could be a past failure. It could be a current relationship. Trust Me, when I say, I know a thing or two about thorns. Sometimes I feel like a walking saguaro cactus. Like I don't ever just have one thorn. Can anybody relate to that? Like Paul says, I got this thorn in my flesh. And I'm like, bro, I am jealous. Like I have got a body full of thorns. Paul says, I prayed three times. I'm like, man, don't go overboard, buddy. Like I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I've got these thorns in my own life. 
I know a thing or two about thorns. I stand before you right here and right now. And I'm trying to encourage you about your thorn, but I need some encouragement about my own thorn. And I draw that encouragement from God's word. And I want to encourage you that you need to be, and I need to be thankful for the thorns in your life. I need to be thankful because I think a lot of times we're ungrateful for the thorns. We gripe about the thorns. We complain about the thorns, right? We bellyache about these thorns in our life. But God wants us to be thankful for the thorns because the thorn is actually for you and it's not against you. The thorn is for you and not against you. And that God has allowed, somebody say allowed, he has allowed these thorns in your life for his glory. There is a purpose behind the pain. And I'm thankful for the thorns. And if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you three reasons that I'm thankful. Three reasons biblically that we should be thankful for the thorns today. If you're ready, say, I am so freaking ready. Come on, let me hear I'm saying we just Christian cursed in church. I'm so ready. Number one, I'm thankful for the thorn because this thorn keeps me humble. It keeps me humble. This should have been like 1500 amens all at one time. Instead, there was about 32. I'm thankful for the thorn because it keeps me humble, right? It, it keeps me from becoming conceited. That's what Paul said. He said, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I've got this thorn in my flesh in order to keep, I love this phrase. I have read this passage thousands of times. I've preached this passage probably hundreds of times, but for some reason this last week, this phrase, it just hit me different this week in order to keep me from, I almost titled the sermon in order to keep me from, because God loves you so much that sometimes he allows a thorn in your life to keep you from. He, he allows a thorn. Sometimes God's love feels like a thorn. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. It's kind of digging into your life, but it's for me. It's not against me. In order to keep me, in order to keep me from, let me tell you something. We all need something, somebody to keep us from running our life off a cliff. We all need somebody to keep us from depression, to keep me from losing my mind, to keep me from falling apart, to keep me from my own stupidity, to keep me from my own guilt and shame, to keep me from my own self-destruction, to keep me from my own sin. So I love this phrase. Might have to preach this phrase another time to keep me from because David, I started looking at these Psalms and, and, and David throughout the book of Psalms, he says this phrase quite a bit. I want to read to you in Psalm 119, 29. He prays, God, keep me from going the wrong way. Would you say that out loud? God, keep me from going the wrong way. And in your goodness, teach me your law. In Psalm 140, he said, keep me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Come on, let's say it out loud. Keep me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Psalm 141.9, he says, keep me from the trap. Let's say that out loud. Keep me from the trap that they've laid before me. 
and the snares of evildoers. See, listen, listen, like it or not, and I don't like it, like it or not, that thorn in your life, it keeps you from a lot of things. Paul says, I've got this thorn in my flesh. And in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I've got this this thorn. It's keeping me from becoming full of myself. Because if I'm full of myself, I'm empty of God. Because the two can't coexist. So I've got this this thorn in my flesh. Y'all know how God works like supernaturally. We, we wrote this song that was the second keeps me going. We ever wrote that song. Great job. Let's try it. Ready? Keeps me going. Your love. Your love. Okay, good. You're great. For sure. You should, we should start a choir, I think. But this is, this, is how, this is how God works is that, you know, there was a day in the morning when God gave me a phrase. And that scripture is based on Ephesians 3.18 that says your love is wider, it's deeper, it's longer, it's higher. That's what the scripture says. And so I had this little melody in my head. And then that was on a Monday morning, which is supposed to be our day off. But you know, when you're in ministry, days don't turn off for some reason. And so I went to Amelia and I said, I got this phrase. And she goes, weird, I got this phrase. And would you know that those phrases, we put them together and that's what that song is. That's literally what that song, this, this, this happened again. This happened again. This happened again. She hasn't even heard the message yet. She's sitting right here. She hasn't heard the message yet. And what was she singing? She was singing, more of you, God, less of me. More of you, God, less of me. More of you, God, less of me. God, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, in order to keep me from becoming full of myself, God, I'm going to be okay with this thorn in my flesh because it's keeping me Humble. It's keeping me humble. Listen, we all need something to keep us humble in our lives. We all need some humility. Otherwise, we start to think too highly about ourselves. Look at somebody and tell them you're doo-doo stank too. Come on, tell them. You're doo-doo stank it is stank too. And, and, and when you read about the life of Paul, if you've been listening or attending impact for any length of time, you know, cause I tell you all the time in the new Testament, my favorite Bible person other than Jesus, it's the apostle Paul. You just said David, but that's the old Testament. But I don't know what I've taught you over the last 10 years of your life, but my, my favorite is, is Paul. And the reason Paul is my favorite, are you ready for the reason Paul is my favorite person in the New Testament other than Jesus is because Paul was as real and authentic as they get. He, he was, he was open about his humanness and not just on his high horse. Like that's right. I'm the apostle Paul. He was real. He was authentic. Now listen, if you've studied the life of Paul, it is a wild ride. Paul goes from a non-believer who persecutes Christians 
imprisons Christians. He's okay and gives the nod of Christians being put to death. He goes from a non-believer persecuting the church to a believer and one of the greatest missionary evangelists who's ever lived. So listen, if you're here today and maybe you're not a believer yet, I thought I'd tell you to get ready because you just might become a powerhouse for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because that's the God we serve. Because God loves to flip the script. God loves to demonstrate his power in our weakness. God loves to use the least likely. God loves to use those that everybody else overlooks. God loves to take what the enemy meant for evil and he loves to turn it for good. And so Paul becomes beast, beast mode for Jesus Christ. And I love this because he, let me, let me just give you like part of his resume of the 27 books in the new Testament, Paul wrote 14 of them. Okay. Paul started 14 churches in strategic areas. He was a powerhouse for, he performed more miracles, not in his own power, but in God's power. God used him to raise the dead. In Acts 19, the Bible says that the brother's handkerchief would heal people. You know how dope that would be? Like, I don't use a handkerchief, but what if I was just like, you need healing, and I threw my hat, you know? He'd be like, dude, that is what I'm talking about. Paul was kind of a big deal. He was, in fact, he was arrested time and again, placed in prison because of his love and because of his ministry for Jesus Christ. Paul's writings are some of the most famous writings that you and I quote all the time. It was Paul who said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It was Paul who said, I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. It was Paul who said, if God is for me, who can be against me? It was Paul who said, I walk by faith and not by sight. It was Paul who said, bad company corrupts good character. It was Paul who said, I have fought the good fight and I've finished the race. Like this dude was kind of a big deal. And he could have easily been full of himself. Like, yo, you see what I'm doing for the kingdom? That's right. A.P. Apostle Paul. Get it right. That wasn't his approach. He said, look, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, that's that's real. That's authentic. I have a question. Why are we so afraid of being real inauthentic. Why do we wake up every day and put masks and costumes on that aren't even who we actually are? Why are we so afraid to be real? I'll tell you why we're so afraid to be real because being real is scary and vulnerable because I would be real. I would be honest with you about who I am am and who I really am and what I'm going through, but I don't know how you'll react to my humanness. I don't know if you'll still love me. I don't know if you'll still accept me. If I'm real with you, you'll probably think less of me. If my realness doesn't meet your measure of expectation for my life, then I'll be a disappointment to you. And I just want everybody to know this part of the impact church family. You can be real with us. Because we don't care 
and we understand that humans are human. We, we all got issues and we all got problems and we all got thorns that we have to deal with. We all have thorns. Paul was real. You know that Paul, he said, I'm the chief of all sinners. I'm, I'm number one. I'm the great, I know I'm preaching and I'm lighting the world on fire for Jesus, but I just want y'all to know I actually am the chief of all sinners. That's real. In, in, in Romans 7, he, he, he says this statement. See, see if you can relate to this. In Romans seven fifteen, he says, I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. How many of you, you could have written that verse? That's your life right there. Right? I do not understand myself. What's he talking about? When you read Romans 6 and 7, he's talking about there is this internal battle going on between my flesh and my spirit. There's a battle between the man in me and the God man in me. There's a battle between Jesus in me and the Travis in me. I can relate to that. I can relate to being human and a sinner. I can relate to being flawed and broken and damaged. I can relate to being a failure. I can relate to doing things I should not do. I can relate to saying things that I should not say. But you know what's so great about God's love is that God loves you anyway. God loves you in spite of you. God loves you no matter what. No matter what you did, no matter how many times you did it, no matter who you did it to, God loves you because God's love is perfect, it's holy, and it's unconditional. Do you know what unconditional means? It means you cannot do anything. You have not done anything where God won't love you. In fact, this is what Paul said in Romans 5.8. He said, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. What's it say? While we were still sinners. You know, when you go on a first date and you put on your best everything, you're trying to win their love. You're like, look how pretty I am. You know what I mean? Guys are on their date. They came to the bathroom at the restaurant. They did some push-ups on the ground. They're like, that's right. Look at me. I got the swole ghost. I'm jacked for Jesus. Y'all brush your teeth to you get y'all makeup on. You're going on that first date. You met somebody on desperate.com and you're like, dude, I cannot wait. And, and, and you put on your best front. And then eventually, eventually, <laughs> the truth comes out. Right? The truth. Eventually, you're just like, man, they, they, they have an attitude problem. They got issues. They got, they, I think they got more baggage than I got. At first, you didn't see a bag anywhere. You saw a Gucci bag. You didn't see any other bags. Now it's been six months. Now it's been a year. You get married. And you're like, my God, their breath stank. Right? You got a bed head and pillow head. And they're not getting all done up like they used to. Now it's normal. See, God's the, God's the opposite. He already knows he already knows. He already knows how, how bad we are. He already knows your humanity. He already knows. 
You don't have to try to impress. It's not like I got to get my, you know, some people's like, oh, I better get my life ready before I go to church. I better get my life together. That's so backwards. If we all thought that, none of us would be here. He says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. Let's look at number two. The thorn. The second reason we're thankful is the thorn keeps me dependent on God. Paul said, I was given a messenger from Satan. A thorn in my flesh and three times I've asked God to take it away. Clearly not an overachiever in prayer. (laughs) Three times I've asked God to take it away. See, everybody has, you guys know, everybody has something that they're battling. Everybody has something that they're fighting against. Every, every day, every one of us, we wake up and we get in the boxing ring of life and we are in a fight. All of us. There's not one person here that's not in the fight for their life. We are in a fight. We are in a struggle. We are wrestling with something, fighting against something. Maybe your fight is, man, I wake up every day and my fight is against my own self-worth, my own value, my own self-esteem, my own fears, my own anxieties, my own emotions. Maybe your fight is against your own physical health. Maybe your fight is against that depression. Maybe your fight is against that addiction. We all have a fight. And see, that fight is, is the thorn. Because he says, it's a messenger from Satan. Is this crazy or what? There's, I got this thorn in my flesh. It's a messenger from the devil. And I asked God to take it away, but God's not taking it away. But I'm in this, this fight. You know that there is nowhere in the Bible, nowhere that says, That the devil's not coming for you. The devil's coming for you. The devil's coming for you. The devil's coming for you. And I know that people think, oh, if you just give your life to Jesus, you're going to be in this Holy Ghost bubble. No, it's going to get worse. I don't mean to scare y'all, but the greater the call on your life, the greater the demons coming at you. The, the, The greater the call, those weapons are no joke, man. They're no joke. There's no, he is forming, he is fashioning a customized weapon for your life. Your weapon doesn't look like mine. He, he's creating a custom weapon. Listen, he would love nothing more than to take me out of this game. He, he would love nothing more than to take you out, to take your health, to take your mind, to take your marriage. He is gunning for you. He's gunning for your children. He's gunning for your children's children. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that he's not fashioning a customized weapon against your life. But what the Bible does say is it says no weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon, no weapon, no weapon. No depression formed against you. No anxiety formed against you. No fear formed against you. No guilt formed against you. No shame. 
formed against you. No addiction formed against you. No divorce. No failure. No weapon. Look at somebody and tell them no weapon. No weapon. No weapon. No weapon. Paul says, I got this thorn in my flesh. It was given to me by Satan. And he says he went to God and asked God to take it away. But God, God said, my grace is sufficient for you. What does that mean? It means that Satan gave it to him, but God allowed it. Which is a weird kind of piece of good news. Because what it means is, God is still actually ultimately in control of everything. And it means that if he allowed it, there's a reason for it. Because the thorn is not against you. It's for you. It's for you. That thorn is for you. Look what he says. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He says, but my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. We need the thorn because it keeps me dependent on God. Have you ever noticed that the human heart tends to wander? Yeah, you notice like you're trying to walk towards Christ and you got a spiritual ADHD and you're on this motion mission. And then you're like, oh, what's that? Right? And then you what's that so many times that you end up wandering out into the wilderness and you think that God might have left you? Well, I just don't feel God. If you don't feel God, who moved? And so... We tend to wander. Our hearts tend to wander. We tend to place dependency in our own humanity. Right? Man, I'll place, I'll place my dependency in my own logic, in my own understanding, in my own thinking. I, I place my dependency in my own abilities, my own talents, my own skills. I place my dependency in a guy or a girl or in a relationship. L- listen. To all you single people, you think that a guy or girl is going to fix your mess? <laughs> You're like, man, if I could just meet that special someone, my life will be complete. It will not be complete. It will still be broken. It will still be dysfunctional because now it might even be more dysfunctional because before you were dealing with your own dysfunction. Now there's two of you dealing with each other's dysfunction and your own dysfunction. Cause it's like the greatest lie in the world. Oh, if I just meet that special someone, I'll be complete. No, 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 you will not be. I, I place my own dependency in my own feelings in my own Net worth in my own self-esteem, in my own future, in my in this substance. I, I place my dependency in, in this substance. And listen, what I'm saying is that without the thorn, without the thorn. See, with the thorn, you have to trust in God. With the thorn, you have no other option but to say, God, I have to trust in you. 
because I have no way of pulling this thing out myself. God, I have prayed my own, my own prayer. God, take this thorn away. I prayed it so many times I couldn't even count. God, take this thorn away. God, will you take this thorn away? God, will you take this thorn away? And God has reminded me the same thing that he told Paul is, Travis, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm not taking it away. I need you to depend on me. I'll walk with you. I'll talk with you. I'll see you through. I'll guide you through. I'm not taking it away, but depend on me because my grace is sufficient for you. See, God uses the thorn to keep you attached to him. None of us would be in this room right now without a thorn. It draws us back to Jesus. Sometimes I think of the thorn and I, and I immediately think of the word pain. Pain. The thorn is pain. Physical pain. Emotional pain. The thorn represents pain. It hurts. It doesn't feel good. It's, it's just uncomfortable. You know, what I've learned in my own life is that God uses pain. For his glory. I, I want to just give you the A, B, and C's of pain. Okay, write this down. A, B, and C. How does God use pain? Okay, A, God uses pain to get your attention. Pain is like the greatest wake-up call. Pain is like God's megaphone. Right? You remember C.S. Lewis, he said that God whispers to us in our pleasure but he shouts to us in our pain pain is a warning light that something is wrong pain is not actually the problem it's a warning light that there is a problem and so god uses pain to get our attention okay b a b b god uses pain to refine us to refine us. Refineries of life don't feel good. I don't know if you like them, but I don't. The heat, the pressure, the pain, but it refines us. Proverbs 17.3, Solomon said this. He said that the crucible is for refining silver and gold, but the one who purifies the hearts by fire is the Lord. God is trying to refine you. He's trying to get you to look more like him. When he looks into your life, he, he is trying to get you to reflect him. He, he's refining you. He loves you too much to leave you unrefined. Okay? The problem is, is that humans, we want to take easy street. I do. Don't you? Nobody wakes up in the morning like, dude, I hope today is a pain-filled day, God. In Jesus' name, I hope today sucks like no other day I've ever had. Nobody, nobody's looking for pain. We all, we all run the other way from pain. That's why I don't work out. I don't want to have pain. It's like, what's the point of that? I, I, I'm not looking for pain. Nobody's looking for pain. And, and the problem is, is that we want God's promise without God's process. And you can't have it. 
Okay, let, let, me, let me just say it like this, that it's during those most painful times in your life where God refines you, and that's where your character is built. Christ-like character is always developed over time, and more specifically, it's developed during the hard times. C, how does God use pain? Well, pain changes you. King Solomon said in Proverbs twenty thirty, he said, sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change our ways. Have you experienced that one? Pain? It doesn't matter what your mama said. It didn't matter what your daddy said. It didn't matter what your coach said. It didn't matter what your teacher said. It didn't matter what your supervisor said. Your boss said. It didn't matter what anybody said. It didn't matter what you told yourself. Until you tried it, it didn't change you. Until you experienced pain. I remember being five years old. My mom, I was five. My mom used to tell me all the time, don't touch that iron, baby, it's hot. Maybe it's not hot. Maybe she just wants my life to suck. You know what I did? I walked up, full hand, on the iron. Yeah, that was smart. I did that at five. You know what I have never done since then? I mean, I avoid that thing. I have trauma from the iron. Pain, it, it, it changes you. Pain teaches you life lessons. There are things in your own life that we know we shouldn't do until we experience the pain. Does it change you? Psalm 119.71 and 2 says, My suffering was good for me. It taught me to pay attention to your decrees. Your instructions are more valuable than millions in gold and silver. Okay, I want to give you number three, the third reason that I'm thankful for the thorn. Third reason. Because that's where I experience God's supernatural power. This is what he said. He said, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Read it with me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Is this, this is crazy. He says, I delight. In my weaknesses, I boast about my weaknesses. I don't know too many people that do that. I don't. Y'all putting on fronts. Like, look at my trophies and my rings and my victories. I don't know too many people that boast about their weaknesses. He says, I boast, I delight, I boast. It's counterintuitive to the human mind because we like to boast about our Strengths. I like to show off all the great success I've had and look at this and look at that. And it's not even real. We like to hide our weaknesses. We like to hide our failures. We like to hide our loss. I don't want you to know that I'm actually human too. And so we hide them. But listen, when you read through the gospels of Jesus Christ, He never showed up in their strengths. He showed up in their weaknesses. When you read through the Gospels of Jesus Christ, 
He didn't show up in people's victories. He showed up in their defeats. His power showed up when the blind man couldn't see. His power showed up when the deaf man couldn't hear. His power showed up when the lame man couldn't walk. His love showed up when the woman was caught in adultery. His love showed up. Listen, he goes to Mary and Martha and he doesn't ask for their victories. He said, tell me about your losses because their brother Lazarus had died. And he said, take me to the place where you laid him. Because that's what Jesus does is he meets us in our losses. He meets us in our defeats. He meets us with his supernatural power. In my weakness, he is strong. God demonstrates his greatest power in your weakest moments. See, listen, some of you have been praying and praying and begging and begging God for the power of God to show up and to get rid of this thorn. God remove this thorn because you've been thinking that your victory comes when the thorn is removed, but you're missing the entire point. God is trying to show you something different. God is trying to show you that the victory is that you're doing it anyway. God is trying to show you that that power on display is that you're victorious even with the thorn. Even with the thorn. My favorite, I don't know if you have a favorite verse, but I have a favorite verse. It's my favorite verse in the whole entire Bible. And we actually have written a song based off this verse, but I want to read you this verse in Ephesians 3.20. Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now all glory to God, who is able. How many know God is able? God is able. A little golf clap for Jesus, that's cool. I've seen and ran into some of y'all at Suns games and Cardinals games. And you like lose your mind. For football players and basketball players. But I'm saying that God Almighty is able. He is able. He is able. He is able. I don't know why. I don't know where along the church tradition. Somewhere along the line of church tradition. It became like. You know, you cannot be undignified in church. I mean, you can go to a football game, take off your shirt and paint a player's name on your fat belly. But in church, we must be dignified. Hey, when God's spirit gets a hold of you, I'm telling you, all dignity is going to go right out the window. Back to my favorite verse. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Another translation says more than we can ask or imagine. 
Another translation says more than we can ask or dream of. It's like anything you can dream up, think up, ask for, God can do more. God, God can, he can, he can do so much more. You know that verse where it says you have not because you ask not? That's a life-changing verse. You, you have not because you ask not. Not just of God, but of people. Some of you are afraid to ask. You don't understand that the keys to the kingdom are the other side of your ask. I just felt a new sermon title. It's crazy because in my own life, I've seen the goodness and the power of God. And I've literally seen this verse come alive over and over again. That God is able, God is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. I believe that. I wouldn't be preaching that to you if I didn't believe that. He's able. Listen, somebody needs to hear me. God is able. He's able. He's able to fix your situation. He's able to heal your heart. He's able to heal your mind. He's able. Do you know that God is able to restore your relationship? God is able to set you free. From that torment, he's able to give you a whole mind. He's able to deliver you from that addiction. God is able to open that door in your life that you've been waiting for God to open that door. He's able to bring the right person at the right time that will unlock the favor on your life. You know, a lot of times people think favor favor isn't fair. Favor usually is fair. Favor follows your love, your walk, and your obedience to Christ. And I understand that bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. That's life. But I'm talking about God's favor. And as you take a step out in faith to pursue a relationship with God, a right relationship, God's goodness, the Bible says, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Would you stand to your feet with me? Come on, stand to your feet with me. Would you close your eyes for a minute? your eyes closed for a minute and I want us to I want us to just I want us to have a moment here and I want to ask two questions the first question is today do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ do you have a relationship with him are you are you saved are you a believer are you a Jesus follower Are you a Christian, a Christ follower? And if today you're here and you say, man, I'm not, or I don't know if I am. This is your invitation 
to join the family of God. This is your invitation to to begin a relationship with your creator. I'm inviting you to begin a relationship like no other that will change not only your life on earth, but your eternal life. You've probably heard John 3.16 that God loves the world so much that he gave his one and only son to die for you and whoever believes. He doesn't say whoever is perfect. He doesn't say who's sinless from that moment forward. Whoever's, whoever's believing, whoever believes, whoever believes in him. In Romans 10.9 it says if you believe in your heart, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you are saved. It doesn't say whoever checks this box or checks that box or whoever does this thing or that thing. It says whoever believes in him. And if you're here today and you don't know, you don't know if you're a Christian, you say, but PT, I, I want to take that step of faith today. I, I want to give my life to Jesus. Just with your eyes closed for a minute, would you lift your hand so I can see it? a lot of hands. I just want to try to see, see all of them. Just keep them up for just a minute. First of all, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for lifting your hands. I don't even know how many over, over a hundred probably for sure. I'm proud of you. And, and if you if you if that's you today, I, I just want you to pray in your own way because I'm not the mediator between you and God. You don't you don't need somebody between you. It's a relationship with Him. You can go directly to Him. He wants a relationship with you, not through me. He wants a relationship with you, and so you can pray right now and say, Jesus, I come to you today. And I take a step of faith and I believe. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the cross, God. Thank you for paying the price for my life and my sins. Teach me to live for you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let my life reflect your goodness and your love. My second question is, is is if you need a miracle today, you're here and you say, man, I I need God to do what only God can do in my life. And if God doesn't do it, it's just not happening. I need God to do what God does. I want you to raise your hand. My hand's raised as well. Father, I pray for every hand lifted right now. God, we need a miracle. Our humanity is limited. God, we've got nothing in the natural that can make this miracle happen. And so we're dependent on the supernatural today. God, we believe that you are able, that you are able. We give glory to you, God, because you are able through your mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than anything that we can ask or think. But God, today we are asking for a miracle. 
We are asking you to do the impossible. Jesus, you said if you have faith as small as a mustard seed. God, you can ask anything in my name. This mountain shall be removed. And God, today we come to you with even mustard seed faith. God, even feeble faith is great faith. And God, we pray that you would do the miraculous in our life, that the miracle is put in motion right now in Jesus' name. That that miracle is set in motion right now in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to connect and celebrate with you. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life.